Today's podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Victoria Day. If you'd like to learn how you can support the podcast through a small recurring monthly donation, check out schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we also have another sponsor. Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians of all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage with real comedy pros watching and privately critiquing you. It's Eddie Brill, Dwayne Kennedy, Dobie Maxwell, Jimmy Brogan, Dennis Regan. They'll all be on board for these private critiques and seminars, so you don't want to miss out. It's no auditioning, early fee before May 1st. Go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Thanks again to our sponsors, uh, Victoria Day through Patreon and the Clean Comedy Challenge. Those dates are coming up really fast. In fact, uh, you want to get on that right now if you want to take part in the Clean Comedy Challenge. Uh, go on to schooloflast.com and check it out, or just go right on over there to cleancomedychallenge.com and sign up before it's too late. Hey, today I've got a fun interview with an old buddy of mine, Tammy Pescatelli, who I met way back in 1994 or five, something like that. Uh, when I first started going on the road, emceeing gigs across the country, I met her in Davenport, Iowa. At that time, she was doing some open mics in Davenport, and she was also a co-host of a morning radio show. And that's where I first met her, and then we kind of both started comedy, you know, roughly within two or three years of each other. Uh, she went a completely different route, went out to Los Angeles, uh, multiple appearances on The Tonight Show. You might recognize her from Last Comic Standing or a Netflix special, Finding the Funny. She's a good buddy of mine, and it was great to catch up with her here recently when she was back in Nashville for a gig, my home club, Zanies, and popped down there, did the podcast, and then got to watch her show. And funnier than ever before. I mean, I knew she was funny. It had been about seven or eight years at least since I worked with her. Uh, but a lot of new material, a lot of funny jokes. She's a mom now. Got a lot of jokes about her family and about the uh, millennial generation. Uh, just a lot of great stuff I could relate to. And it's great to see that she's doing some great stuff with her comedy. If you're in the Nashville area and you want to check out a graduation show from the School of Laughs, that's coming up right around the corner. In fact, July 17th, that's a Monday We'll be at Zany's with the latest group of graduates from the School of Laughs. Great night to check out what the School of Laughs is all about, what the end product looks like after you've done the classes. And I'll be there on hand if you have some questions about taking the classes. You can ask me directly. We do have a new set of writing classes coming up in August. In fact, those dates are August 14th, 21st, and 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. in Nashville, uh, just down the road from Zanies at SIR. If you want to know more information about that, shoot me an email, schooloflaughs at gmail.com. Just put comedy classes in the subject line, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hey, enough of that rambling right now. Let's get right into the episode with Tammy Pascatelli, and I'll talk to you on the other side. Well, I am here with my old buddy, Tammy Pascatelli. How's it going, gal? Oh, it is so good to see you. It's, I mean, we were early birds together. We were like little baby birds in I was, this game. I was thinking it must have been like 94, 95, because yes. you were still 
working at a radio station before yes. you even started your comedy. So, and that was in Iowa. So let me backtrack just a second. How okay, did you okay. get from Ohio to Iowa? Okay, so I went to Kent State. And I graduated that summer, and I was supposed to go do an internship in New York. You know how we, mm-hmm. they used to used to have to go after. Now they do their internships before college right. is over, and now they're even stopping that. Now they're paid internships. So I went to live. My parents had moved from Northeast Ohio. They moved to Iowa, the little Quad City yeah. area. So here I am, like 21 years old, 22 years old. I don't know how old. And I'm like, I don't know anybody. And I'm not going to know anybody because I'm only here for three months. Right. So let me go work at the comedy club. I love comedy. I used to sneak into the downtown, the Cleveland Improv with the fake ID. In the big old show, the big mm-hmm. old warehouse. Yeah, yeah. And I said, let me go over the funny bone. I'll get a job waiting tables. I'll make a little money. I'll get to see some funny shows. Maybe I'll meet some kids my age or whatever. And that was kind of it. Then, uh, well, then some female, there was a woman that came through at the time who was, she was the headliner and they had to switch her to the feature Uh because she wasn't. And I remember saying with my big mouth and my 22 year old bravado, (laughs) yeah, you know, I I go, uh, I'm as funny as she is. And the couple of the waiters were like, I'll never forget this guy, Chuck Martin. He's like, I bet you're not. And I'm like, well, how much money do you bet? (laughs) And he's like 50 bucks. And then Todd, the bartender, Mm -hmm. they all put money up to see if I would go on stage. And I did the next week, and then it was sponsored by the radio station. Ah. So I did open mics, and then I worked at the radio station, and that's how it all kind of That's crazy. Around. That's yeah. awesome. I always I've wondered if you, how you got in that. And you're, Now, when your parents moved there, was that for a job thing? Did yeah, you? my father was transferred with uh, New York Life. And he used to play football, right? Yes, years and years before mm-hmm. that, when I was a little kid. That's great. So he goes out there to sell insurance, brings you along for the summer. Yeah, and you're right out of Kent State. Yeah, so, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought I was going to be a fashion design major because that, here's the funny thing about it, is I went to my ninth grade counselor and said, I want to be an actress. And she said, nobody from here has ever done that. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> you dress nice. You should go be a fashion design. Uh, Kent State starting a new fashion school. Wow. And I'm like, okay. You know, you, know, you just... All right, you just dashed my dreams. Thank you. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, my wife went to Kent State. You know that. Yes, I remember. But you have to refresh me. But yes, yes, now I remember because we all, so many of us. Well, here's the comedy people I know off just in one hand that went through Kent State at some point. Chris DePetta. Okay, I didn't know that. Brian Dorfman. Brian Dorfman. Andrew Dorfman. Andrew Dorfman. Steve Byrne. That's right. Chad Zumach. Okay. Me. Arsenio. That's, yeah. So Drew just, Carey. Yep. Yeah. Bertie's Berry. Do you remember Bertie's yes, Berry? Yes, yeah. Mike Veneman, God rest his soul. Right. That's a lot of people coming through there. Yeah. But I think Ohio produced a lot. Of, you know, I think I lived in Ohio for 10 years, so I wasn't born there, but I lived there all of the 90s. Okay. So you did. So where were you born? I was born in Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, okay. And, like so, and I went to college in West Virginia. Shout out comedy <laughs> off Broadway. <laughs> yeah. One of the best clubs ever. And uh, But I moved to Columbus, Ohio, because that was the only big city I'd ever seen driving to college from Lexington, Kentucky, through Cincinnati, <laughs> Columbus, over to Wheeling, and then up the mountain. So I thought, I can't go all the way back home, and Cincinnati is too close. So I ended up parking it in Columbus. That's hysterical. But I think people from like Columbus, Michigan, because it's so cloudy and and there's so many long days of winter, it, it makes you be funny to get through it. And then those people come out of there. Yeah. Well, I think for sure for the Cleveland, Northeast Ohio area was our sports teams. 
Oh yeah. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely blame the Browns and the Indians and all that. They were horrible. I mean, the Browns still are, but at least the Indians and the Cavs have kind of turned it around. I also think that where we were when we first started, I think about so then. So I started, I'm like a house MC, and then I moved back to Cleveland, right? So two years after doing the radio and, and everything. And then you could go two hours in any direction. Anywhere. And there was a comedy club. Mm. So we got so strong. And we saw each other. I saw you. I saw you with the group. That's with right. Midwest Comedy Tool and Die. <laughs> Remember it. that? Yep. Those were the days. Yeah. And then I saw you on your own. We would see each other a lot, too. That was the other thing. Like, we were a team in, in a sense. You know, it was a group yeah. of people who would see each other over and over again. And there were so many funny bones at that time. I mean, there yeah. was the one you started at in Davenport. Yep. With Lisa Young, who I think was one of the best managers of any ever. club ever. Then you could go on to Des Moines. Remember that Sure, club? with Mark Johnson. Mark of course, Johnson. I know. Des Moines, where I stayed with Vince Champ. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, so, but just with scary stuff those times. That's why we used to see each other, though, yeah. like because you'd have that off day. Right. And we'd all see each other on a Monday. Who's coming in town? Who's going? That's, it's like a revolving right, door. Yeah. People who's, coming in and, and I don't know how we communicated because we didn't have... Like cell phones, we just had pagers and the condo number. Yeah, right? I remember the pagers, man. I never got a pager. Somehow, I just I couldn't couldn't you pull the trigger on that. But I remember my first big phone, my Sprint phone, that was the brick, you know, sure, and all that stuff. I had the bag phone, seventeen dollars <laughs> a minute. Yeah, it was expensive, man. Mm -hmm. These kids today got it made. They're they're Snapchatting and everything else. Yeah, Hardy. you know the other thing about back in those days too is there was full week clubs it was like you just mentioned the monday was the only day off because they right. were running tuesday through sunday correct not a lot of clubs pulling that off anymore so we had more nights on stage to get better yeah and where you were at in cleveland like you said within i mean just in ohio there was the dayton funny bone and wiley's sure in cincinnati there was always at least two clubs go, go bananas, bananas and then there was a funny bone That's in covington for a right. while and then there was before I even start, well, I guess at the beginning, Ray Combs had a comedy club. In yes, Cincinnati. he was gone before I got into it. I think you and I kind of had the same timeline. Yeah. yeah. And then um, Toledo always had the connections. Sure. And then there was always something going on over there. And then in there Minner. was Snickers in, yeah. in Indiana. And then That's there right. was what, a little a laugh act theater or something in, in Painesville. I mean, there was all. Did you ever Eerie go to Painesville? It was the Mad of course, Hatter. That's where I'm from originally. Was, that club was weird, man. That club had, you, you had to. St like you didn't probably stay at the condo because no. you lived there, but it was like some random farmhouse, and upstairs they only had a a claw bathtub with a little little hose for a shower. And their foster children. Yes. Remember, their foster children yes. would stay back there. And then they'd have like a swimsuit store downstairs. Yep, Remember and the they're tanning. To, yeah, it was very. The creepy. guy tried to do something. My, guys like told my wife, "Hey, go in there and try on a bikini." We're like, "There's probably cameras." In yeah, this. no, <laughs> it's the craziest thing too because like I laugh all the time. I don't know how I did it. I mean, I was a young girl on the road by myself with a map. You know yeah. what I mean? You were a young guy. Like, how how did we figure it? Somehow we figured it out. Somehow we were smart enough. We kept our wits about us yeah. and avoided things. I was late to many. I remember the first time I went to Davenport, I'd driven from Chicago and I get in the car, it's raining, downpour like today, and my windshield wiper doesn't work. <gasps> So I had a towel in my arm all the way across. Why do I remember that, I think? And I walked in the club, and I was, like, dripping wet, and I hear them introing me. Like, they're like, you're on right now. You're the MC. You're on right now. And I, like, walked up there, and I, like, ringed out my jacket and set it down. I'm like, well, let me tell you how I get. And Lisa, who booked the club, said, you know, if you're that funny just walking in here, dripping wet, and just can be funny, I'm, you know, you're gonna, I'm going to book you again soon, you know. She was real cool. But we did work all those different places, you know. And I remember 
Do you remember we went to like a bagel place and I gave you like the list of things to watch out for on the road? Yes, you were so good to me. You were <laughs> right? one of the things. Because when I did um, the radio, if I liked to come, first of all, I used to try to bring the comics in on Friday mornings and interview them. Because I really didn't know what I was going to do then. Am I going to try stand up? Am I going to be a radio? So, I, so I'd bring the comics in. And then if I liked them, I would buy them breakfast after and then go, tell me what I should know. What yeah. should I do? Who yeah. should I talk to? And there was, you and I, I remember... You were so kind. You not only did you give me a list of all those things, but then we got we went in on one of those comedy books. Oh yeah, do you remember that? I sort of remember that. Yeah, I think Loftus went in on us with us too because yeah, yeah. he was trying to break out of the group, and we put like three of maybe it wasn't Mike, maybe it was Mark Groth. I don't know who it was, but we put money in and we bought it, and then I photocopied the book at my dad's office because yeah. we weren't supposed to photocopy yeah. the book, remember? Yeah, this was like an industry guy that had every comedy club <laughs> and the phone number like because you couldn't do this on the internet before. Sure, well, you had to go to the, the library That's and right. pull out phone yes. books. It was like a folder almost. Yeah, uh, well, because we made it a folder because somebody had a normal book and then for us, I punched him into holes, three ring binders. Yes, I totally remember that now. It's yeah. so hilarious. And I remember eventually they, they made that book red, the pages red, so when you went to copy it, nothing could be copied. Could shown. Because <laughs> they probably sold us. six copies and everybody... Leave it to the Italian to ruin it. <laughs> I didn't sell it to anyone else. We just couldn't afford it. It was like two or three hundred dollars. Do crazy. you remember that? I totally remember that now. And I it was really expensive. Man, I totally remember that. And I wonder if I still have that somewhere. I probably do. I'm a, I've got all my comedy memorabilia from all Didn't those years. Didn't you help me the one time, too, dubbing the, the videotapes? Because Probably. Like, that's the other thing I tell these young kids. You, we wanted <laughs> to be comics. There was no put your iPhone up and tape it. You First of all, you had to find someone with the camera. Then you take the videotape. Then yeah. you had to find somebody else with the VCR because like nobody had two VCRs. Right, right. So you had to hook the two VCRs up and copy one to the other. Yep. And it was expensive to mail. It was like Four, eight bucks a thing, I remember, right? the, I remember just getting the tape and the... Package was four ninety five. Then whatever it was to medium mail it. Yeah, it was like seven or eight bucks just yeah. to send a VHS tape to somebody who might not have even open ever it. open it. That's cr yeah. I'm not saying that we're old, but we've been around. We've been around. <laughs> we wanted to do it. That's that's the thing. I mean, like it wasn't. I think that's part of the difference between now and this whole winter mm -hmm. society. We worked hard to even get work. Well, remember even in Cleveland specifically. You had to fax them your avails like on a Tuesday morning, the second Tuesday morning of the week between 10 and 11. And they would that's the only time they wanted to hear anything from comics. And they yeah. ripped those things out. Yeah. And you would call to see if you got a booking. Well, I was so lucky because by by the time I was ready to work Cleveland, I was already living back downtown Cleveland. And so Sarah and I, mm -hmm. who was really great to me, and I would go help her take the veils off. And it's so funny because people would try to go, hey, uh, when my veils come through, and I'm like, get out of here. You're going to ruin my... Shut up. I'm <laughs> They're trying gonna, to put theirs on the top. Yeah. What, you, what is your $20 going to do for me? I'll, I'll never be able to work for any of these clubs ever again. That's funny. And Sarah was another good one. She like... Great. She, I remember... T I was lucky enough somehow that she booked me, you know, and I remember getting paid out one night and just looking up at her cork board and there was like 65 while you were out and it was all comics just like trying to get in the club. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time it dawned on me how many... People were trying to come, you know. Right. I only saw it from my point of view. I thought it was one of, you know. Right. And I says, "That me? How many phone calls you got this week?" She goes, "Now that was today." 
See? Uh, you're kidding me. She goes, the people I book love me, and the people I don't book, they call me a blank. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it was a different... It, it just... But it was a... There was something... It was a weird thing. I have to say, like, as much as there was a lot of chaos going on, there were headliners that had drug issues, or who was an alcoholic, or who's. I don't know, maybe I was just young. There was an innocence to it as well, I think, for like people like you and I, because we were just so excited to be part of the gang. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were just happy to MC and we would work a lot. Yeah, there was a lot. There was a ton of work. If you had if you had your time down, you could work all the time. Yeah. Now what year did you move out to Los Angeles? Two thousand and one. Okay, so you did your time on the road and in Cleveland. I did. Yep. I spent up your all material. that time. Yep. I worked. I moved to Los Angeles when I was like a split week headliner, mm-hmm. um, or or I in the A rooms and then like a headliner in some of those B rooms. The headliner though that people would just show up and go, "Ah, oh, we don't know who she is, right. but we already have a sitter." Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, so I went then, which was probably a hard time to go, to be honest with you, because. I mean, it almost broke me the first year and a half because it was just not enough money to mm-hmm. get out there, get paid, buy your, you know, like they didn't cover everything. So I literally just made zero. Right. You know, just, by the time everything, I got everything paid and that was it. Like I'd have a dollar, you yeah. know, let's go to Taco Bell, and yeah. get, get a bunch of chips. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I know most of the people that moved out to LA the first couple of years, like you say, you've got to work somewhere else because everything there is a showcase. You're not yeah. getting paid much if you're getting anything. Well, it was hard to move as a comic. I should have, like, that, that was the thing. I didn't want to go backwards. I did pick up side jobs, like, as a waitress sometimes, at the world's worst waitress at a golf club. But, um, yeah. like, uh, you know, it was funny because when I got past at the comedy store, I used to have these audiences with Mitzi. I mean, you might as well have told me that the Pope called and asked for me to come sit with him, you know? And she she was like, you came out, I can't do her voice, but she's like, you came out here already what you are. No one can take that from you. She's like, no matter what happens out here, you're a comic. <laughs> That's great. Sit. And I was like, okay, okay, so you're right. And that kind of eased whatever nerves I had or whatever desperation that you feel. I'm like, wait a second, I am a comic now. I've worked hard enough that even if they don't put me on TV, I knew that it would be okay, mm-hmm. you know? It was very kind of her to say. Yeah, what was the first TV thing you did when you were out there? So the very, very, very first TV thing I ever did was The Tonight Show. Not Can a bad you imagine first that? Step. I didn't get on night flights. I didn't get on the thing on MTV. My very first thing because I did um, uh, the the festival, the Just for Laughs uh-huh. festival, and Letterman's people, Letterman and the Tonight Show saw me, but I was on the board at Letterman, and that's what I wanted to do. I because Dave had been kind of the thing that I watched when I was a kid. Well, he had a heart attack. I remember. Yep. And they weren't putting comics on when he wasn't the host. So then time is ticking, and by then I have a manager and an agent, and The Tonight Show says, because they, they wanted to break a com- they wanted to break comics right. back then. So The Tonight Show kept saying, and I was like, well, yeah, let's do it. And that turned out to be a good thing, because Jay was really good to me. I did it, I don't know, like three, four, well, five, technically, like five times. That's awesome. And yeah. then fast forward a few years, then Last Comic Standing comes out. What year was that? Uh, well, so I did my first Tonight Show 2002, 
no, 2003. Mm-hmm. And tonight, uh, last comic comes out 2004. Gotcha. So, yeah, that was that was a different thing. That was a good run, though, you had on there. Yeah, that was fun. It was, you know, they were the difference between that show and what everybody else, you know, does with these these up and coming shows is these people were really headliners. I was the least experienced headliner uh-huh. in that group. You know what I mean? There were, I mean, Todd Glass, Kathleen Madigan, Alonzo Bowden, John Heffron, Gary Goldman, Bonnie McFarland, Aunt, like Corey Holcomb. These were monsters. I, if I had thought about it for three seconds, I probably would have quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I but you held your own. I mean, se- several sets in a row. You know how hard was that taking? You know, you probably couldn't repeat the material you did on on the, well, or did you a little bit? Kind of did that to me. I tell you the truth, Rick. It was the craziest thing. You know, you don't want to as a comic. You don't want to repeat mm-hmm. it, right? Like because we have that little bit of that ego and vanity. And in order to do the show, you had to submit your set. So standards and practices has to approve it because it's on. The show was on at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. so it had to be family friendly. You know, and um, I kept submitting my sets. But they kept saying, no, it's not, we didn't approve it. We didn't get a chance to look at it. They have, just do your old set. And I'm like, I don't want to do that old material. And they're like, well, it's a new one. Like, we won't edit the same thing. And the audience you're performing at hasn't seen it. But when it cut to, when it aired, there were so many things they did. When it aired, they kept showing some of the same jokes over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, to them, they were trying to create Sopranos was hot. And they were trying to take me and make me this... This walking right. meatball, right. you know, like, hey, what you do? <laughs> but, 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 yeah. There was even a part like, there was like this one part, and I didn't realize who they were trying to create a witch, you know, how like everybody has. Sure. And um, like there was this one part that they show, we're all sitting in Kathleen and I's our room. Bonnie has already been eliminated. I'm sitting on the bed with Aunt. John is sitting on a bed. Um, uh, Jay London. Oh, Jay London. Oh, I yeah, say, yeah. yeah, Jay London sitting on a bed. Alonzo and Kathleen are out on on the turret because we're in this castle, this weird old, yes. you know. Yeah. And um, they're out there, and Alonzo says to me, "We're trying to figure out who to vote for. How does it make sense? What to do?" And Alonzo says to me, "What would uh, what would um, the Godfather do?" And I go, "I want his family dead. I want his house burned to the." They don't show Alonzo asking me that. <laughs> they, just, they just show me and Aunt, and like I'm saying that, like, like you're so crazy. You're just gonna, I want him dead. <laughs> like, that's like, great. It's yeah. horrible, but it's great. But that that is a that's a great glimpse behind what a TV show like that is. You know, oh. the being the funniest is just a small part of it. If it's even, you know, they can couch all the video to oh. to go one way or the other. They they skewed the voting so much, like. Um, I remember this is how it was. This is how bad the perception was that I started watching the show when it aired people over my house, champagne. By the time it was right before the live finals, I'm in my house with the lights off, the TV very low, laying on the floor so no one would call me or know that I was home to watch it. They did so many crazy things because it was editing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They had to create a show. We didn't know that. We thought we were on a game show. Right. It was a reality. It was the first of the reality shows. We didn't understand how that worked, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it got you some more exposure, which was good. It absolutely did. And then, and those a lot of those people are like my family, you that's know. Cool. That's, I mean, that's a murderer's row of comedians. You just 
right yeah. off there. So that was that was hefty competition. Yeah, I love them all, and I'm I'm very proud. Even even Bonnie McFarland, where they had us fighting, it took us like five years to talk and sort it out. Is that right? Yeah, because I didn't know that I didn't know that a, like a grown up would look at you and go. Hey, you know, Bonnie said you're terrible. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be here. And I'm like, she said what? I'm like, right. this young kid trying to, you know, this was my M&M. You got one shot. Let's <laughs> That's do right. this. Right. right. You know? That's great. Now, what happened? I know you did a Netflix special. Is it three years ago? Yeah. Three what, years ago. What happened in between the last comic standing there? Is there anything that I'm missing? Well, I did a few things. Like I had my TV. I had a TV show for a little bit. I saw that. Yeah, I did a whole bunch of little things. Like I did a couple little movies and I had a development deal and then things didn't work. And you know how that goes. And you think you're doing something and you're on little, you know. And And then in 2007, I got pregnant and I was like, we got to get out of here. Like, this is not a place to raise a baby. So we moved to New York, and that didn't work because my mother-in-law lived right next door. Yeah. So, like, that, that was... not work. That was just, like, a bad sitcom. So I had bought a place in Pennsylvania when, um, when I... Because my parents were in Iowa still. My one brother was somewhere else coaching a football team. The other one happened to be in Pennsylvania in this little town that actually I had relatives in. So I thought, I'll buy a house for my parents, then I have a home place, mm-hmm. one place to go. Well, it turns out I ended up moving there when the time came, when I had my son, and now we've been there forever. But that gave me then, in 2010, we did a show about me being a wife, a mother, comedian, mm-hmm. leaving Los Angeles, going to a small town, trying to raise my son in the chaos. That's great. And yeah. The um, Netflix special... That's yeah. pretty cool. So, I, yeah, I was happy with that. How long did it take you to kind of ramp up from the time you want, decided you wanted to do it to the time you recorded it and get the material tight and all that? Ten years. No. Since <laughs> um, 94. <laughs> well, truly, truly, after Last Comic, because they really did that whole – like I took a lot of flack. It was early social media, but I took a lot – and even within the comedy community, like that alti crowd – a lot of people gave me a hard time, maybe because I was the weakest link, but to they were like, oh, all she talks about is being Italian. Well, quite frankly, it's all I knew, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, number one. Um, I had spent my entire adult life in the comedy club talking at people at night. We didn't have any kind of life. What are right. you going to talk about? Ooh, Route 80. Yeah, That's, yeah, exactly. that's something, that Route 80, yeah. isn't nice it? nice when right? it's finished. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, right? <laughs> uh, there's always construction. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's construction, <laughs> spring, summer, winter, right. construction season. Turn right? left yeah. of the couch. Yeah, yeah so stupid. <laughs> so um, I went out of my way to make sure I never – did Italian stuff, which in a sense I should have thought, hey, you know, they think that I'm Italian. They didn't even realize I was a woman. Like right, that right. Was, I was kind of happy over that. So I threw everything away after last comic. So to answer your question long about, probably took me from 2006 mm-hmm. all the way through to, it, it was ready. My special was ready to go in 2012, solid, solid. I mean, I could have probably... Some things went in, some things mm-hmm. went out, you know. That's pretty cool. And so now the biggest question I have for you is did you find anything at the baggage reclaim center in Scotts was it Scottsville, Scottsboro? Scott Scottsboro. First of all, you know how long I've wanted to go to I that. I still haven't been. I have been a thrift store <laughs> shopper but out of necessity. Years I mean, literally in college mm-hmm. I wouldn't do my work. 
Like I, I, I went out and, and, and partied, you know? So all of a sudden we'd have a project due. So I'd be like pretty in pink and run over the thrift store and rip up two things and sew them together. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, I created this. So I went long before it was popular. And I, all I kept hearing about is this is a place for this unclaimed baggage. And you're like, <laughs> what? And it was really, really cool. They were so nice. And then part of me got a little weirded out. Cause I'm like, maybe the unclaimed baggage, something happened. Like you know, it, yeah, maybe the everybody in the plane died <laughs> yeah, and this and then, baggage got. And then I'm like, through. but wait, how much do they want for those Ray Bans? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I keep hitting the table. No, that's all right. <laughs> was there? Uh, I'm assuming there's a lot of luggage there because everything. No, there's not. I really wanted a bag. That's what but I you mean. know what I got? I got um, I got this Fitbit. See this Fitbit around my? You can't mm-hmm. see it on the podcast, but I got um. Not only did I get a Fitbit from myself, it's one of those flex ones. That's nice. Uh huh. I got five of them. Because they were $12.59 a piece. That's nice. That's nice. So now my whole family is going to have to get 10,000 steps. <laughs> yeah. I need to get a uh, like a counterfeit bit where somebody else does all the walking for me and <laughs> hands it back over. That happened to me <laughs> because I lost my original Fitbit, right? I went through security at an airport. This probably I probably bought my own back. Um, yeah, you probably did. <laughs> um, they went through security at the airport. I went through security I, and I realized I had left it in the tub. So I literally probably walked maybe 200, y- you know, not even, and ran back. And it was gone. And they're like, it's at Lost and Found. So I go to Lost and Found, not there. And But then I started seeing it. And the person who had it was doing way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> they, kept, they just kept going. Like, go, kept, girl, go. Yeah. I, I'm only hitting 10,000 steps a day. They're hitting 15 and 20. I'm like, they're wow. They're probably running, you know. Yeah. They're running out of the airport with yeah, that thing to the pawn better. shop. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm a big thrift store guy. In fact, that was because I didn't have computers back in the day. You know, you do your shows, you'd wake up at noon, and then I would roll into the, the thrift stores wherever I was, and depending on who I was with, it was really interesting to see the, like, the other comics. Like, you know, remember Paul Gilmartin, of course? Yes, of course. So he was really big into baseball cards. So we go to a pawn shop and stuff like that, and he'd be looking at the cards, and he would go to like, he'd get these cards in New York that nobody wanted back in LA, and go back and sell them back, and some guys made a good living. George Cantor, remember George Cantor? Oh, yeah. I didn't know about selling things. I just, yeah. I remember getting Foxworthy baseball mitts. Uh huh. Um, you know, I remember, there was just all kinds of fun things. I remember getting Dean Dino Tripodis. Remember him? Yeah. Typewriters. Oh yeah, Dino the detective right. Tripodis. Yeah. Yeah, he needed those classic <laughs> typewriters. He's got a podcast now. Uh, yeah. Well, he was out. a radio for a long time. Yeah. Is, I don't. Know, he still, still is. is yeah. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I, I know you got a show to go here, so thanks very much for squeezing in a few oh, minutes. Oh man, I just I'm so happy to I, see you. Well, and, I can't you wait know? to see your show. It's, I mean, it's, it's got to be completely different than the last time I saw because <laughs> I think the last time we worked together, at, I think it was like either a New Year's Eve or a Christmas week or something in Dayton. For Lisa Grigsby, another great, another great comic. Yeah, which I, I mean, a comic herder. <laughs> yeah, I like to get her on the show one day because she's got some stories for sure. Oh my. Yeah. She did something really. There are some people that are amazing that I couldn't have a career without. She's one of them Lisa Young, Sarah Nye, mm-hmm. Freddie DeMarco. Yeah, those you know, are four in I my mean, corner too. Yeah. I miss building a market. Those were people, you know, and I know, I know that Brian and Andrew do it over here too. And then there's a few, you know, good, good comedy club mm-hmm. owners still that are nice people. But the thing was, is they used to really try to build a market with you. You'd come here. That's mm-hmm. why I'm here tonight. Because they're helping me build a market in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's a Thursday night. I don't know how many people are come, but I do know that whoever shows up, I guarantee you they're going to come back. Unless 
I shouldn't say that, God forbid, because... <laughs> well, I'm going to let you get focused. Okay. On Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rick. Yeah, go out and kill it. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Tammy Pescatelli. Uh, funny gal, and like I said, I watched the entire show that night, and she knocked it out of the park. Great stuff and a great interview there with my good buddy Tammy. Hey, once again, if you are in the Nashville area, you want to find out about the writing classes, you can always go to schooloflast.com, or you can come out July 17th to catch the graduation show. Tickets are just $5 if you use the promo code FRIENDSFAMILY, either online or when you call the Zanies box office at 615-269-0221. Come out and say hi. Uh, pick my brain about the comedy classes and watch the latest group of graduates doing their thing. All right, real quickly, an iTunes review. This happens to be dun, 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 our 100th iTunes review. Thanks, everybody, for the reviews. It's really cool to see that. 99 five-star reviews, one four and a half. I must have done something wrong. So I'm batting a 99.5 on the reviews. That's good to hear. This comes in on June 19th from T. DeGraff. I've been listening to the School of Last podcast for a while now and wanted to leave a great review, but sadly, couldn't figure out how. Finally, I feel like I've just cracked some kind of secret code and I get the privilege of being your 100th review. I'm sure there are many others listening who would try to leave a review from their iPhones, but listen, that's not going to work at all. You have to go through your computer. Dumb, I know, but true. Anyway, here's my review. I love this podcast because it's encouraging and genuine. I've found comedy to be way more difficult than it looks. It's definitely not for quitters. Rick Roberts gives solid, practical advice that comics can use right now. I appreciate his expertise and how he's willing to share from his many years of successes, failures, and then successes again. I also love the interesting topics and guests. Great job, Rick, and please keep doing what you're doing. God bless you and yours, and I hope and pray you'll get lots more reviews from iPhone users on their computers. Hey, thanks, T. DeGraff, for teeing up that iTunes review and becoming our 100th review. If you would like to send me an email, uh, do that, and I'll send you a special prize for being our 100th review. Another prize will go out to our 150th when we get there. But go ahead, T. DeGraff, shoot me an email, schooloflast at gmail.com. Let me know that you posted that, and I'll make sure I get something cool out your way soon. That's going to be all for now, except for one last word from the Clean Comedy Challenge. Stay funny out there, guys, and stay safe. Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians at all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage or to fill out an ambition on their bucket list just to be a part of the comedy comedy business. Go to cleancomedychallenge.com for more details. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.
Second-hand underwear ain't really meant to last. They've got a spot of history and sometimes cause a rash. Quick trip, torn at the stitch, worthless BVDs. A vice-like grip can make you itch and holier than Swiss cheese. It's a health department nightmare just hanging off the rack. Should I even try a pair? Well, I reckon I'll take a crack. Who wore these before me? It's anybody's guess. But judging from the smudges, he battled IBS. Thrift store underwear, worst thing I ever seen. Got trapped in some like a snare and ruptured my plane. I tried on briefs and boxers, but the right pair's hard to find. When it comes to fashion, I'm just a little behind. These underpants got a vertical stripe that don't belong out back. And this pair here with a three foot rear could have belonged to Shaq. I confess the whole concept is at the best quite sketchy. I can't accept that when I dress, I'm in a dead man's wedgie. Is that a foreign fella's name stenciled there I'm saying? I can't say from exactly where, but my guess is European. Thrift store underwear, let's play name that stain. Got more spots on a pair than a twister game. Break it down now. Left foot green, right foot green. sets ain't worth nothing. Irregular pairs are half off yet choke you like a noose. How can they be so snug up front and ruby in the caboose? It sounds wrong but I bought some thongs and threw them in the wash. Tried them on and I gone look like I smuggle and squash. Thrift store underwear, worst thing I ever bought. Got some on a dare, now I need a tetanus shot.